this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to in focus i'm pj george your host for today facebook has had its share of problems over the years from privacy issues to data leaks to fake news now internal documents made public by former facebook employee francis hagen shows that these problems may have been more systematic they suggest that facebook may have been aware of the problems that it was causing while doing little about it reporting on these internal documents the new york times said that in india facebook was facing an amplified version of its problems with misinformation and hate speech but allocated very little resources to deal with it so what are the wider issues that these papers raise what is the answer to the problems that facebook causes considering the outsized influence that it has to discuss these and more we have with us mishi choudhury founder and legal director of the software freedom law center hello mishi and uh, welcome to this episode of in focus podcast thank you for having me good to speak to you again mishi the facebook papers have shown that the social media platform was aware of its misinformation problem in india and its own inability to control it yet facebook apparently spends only a fraction of the resources that it spends on classifying misinformation in the us for the rest of the world why is that is it purely a business question or is it the belief that it will not be held to justice in other countries well your questions like their name change are very meta i'm going to say that um, i do not know why but i can only speculate i think what you're referring to and what the washington post has now told us is the documents reveal that vast majority of the efforts against misinformation around 84% went towards the united states and uh, just 16% go to the rest of the world that includes india france and italy and why that to stands out for us is because it's considered a top priority country for some products under the facebook business india is the largest market like whatsapp and increasingly growing as you know that in india we always win on numbers that's why our politicians cleverly choose when it suits them just numbers and not percentages etc but these are such large numbers it is a very important market for for facebook but but obviously the kind of resource allocation that's happening that was pretty clear from people who have worked with facebook in india for a very long time in fact um, whether it is the whatsapp lynchings as they are called or other issues of misinformation mostly propagated by the political parties in india all of that was being informed to them for a very long time but they only started paying attention to this issue in 2016 with the trump election in the united states i can only think that um, because it is an american company and because uh, there are more risks in terms of uh, how it is listed here what sec can do here what the regulators can do here and the kind of control the american staff has on setting up the policy everything happens from manlo park so there isn't much which the other markets have the power to do as everything flows from here so it's a little odd but it also shows that politically we are not as important to make money and monetize indian users yes we are very important 
at the expense of sounding and using a term which has been co-opted by people who just want reliance to own everything. But I think this is still that white man's burden, which Mr. Zuckerberg has demonstrated time and again, that he knows better for everybody in order to extract value for themselves, but not give anything in return. So that's why the Indian users experienced Facebook without the critical guardrails, which are common in English speaking countries. India is very diverse and it requires a lot more effort to get the nuance right and the languages right. That's what the papers show. Right. Uh, Mishi, it has been revealed that politics often played a role in deciding who was allowed to stay on Facebook, despite breaking the platform's own rules. This happened with Trump, this happened in Vietnam, and this happened in India too. Can a company be held to account for flouting its own rules? And if its home country US won't move against Facebook, what are the options available for countries like India to seek justice for the harm that has been caused? I think what you're referring to is that um, there's something called cross-check or X-check, whatever you want to call it, which is basically this program that Facebook ran in which it was initially intended as a quality control measure for actions taken against um, high-profile people. But then it just became this VIP program, and which meant that anybody who... Facebook termed as a VIP user, then they were treated differently. And for those elite users, Facebook's rules don't seem to apply. And that meant there was an additional step so that uh, Facebook could um, accurately enforce policies on content that could require more understanding, which sometimes can be true also. You can imagine a president of the US when what reach that person may have. I think there's an economist study which said that during COVID, when President Trump was in office, he was the source of the most uh, misinformation online. So the reach of such offices is uh, pretty clear. And for that purpose, there might be a reason to have such a program. But then it became so discriminatory that uh, although the public statements coming out of Facebook have always been that our rules and terms and conditions apply equally to everybody. But that's clearly not the case when we see such a thing. Now, when you talk about politics in India, I think that we've seen that uh, Facebook's um, earlier policy head, First India, then Asia Pacific, also had to step down after a revelation of a time story about how there was a lot of favorable treatment given to the ruling party currently, BJP. And we've seen the very close a very close relationship between the staff members employed by Facebook and the ruling party. So the information that is coming out, it does tell us that A, that the reach of such a platform is so high and B, when the platform decides to favor one party over the other, that can actually play with what the future of a society looks like. If opposition parties in India cannot have the same reach as the ruling party, today it is BJP, tomorrow it could be somebody else also, even if it were Congress in power. If the opposition parties can't get the same reach in an environment where most people have started to rely on Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram for their news and other information, then you we are giving a lot of power to one company to decide our future and what the story looks like. 
And that is why it's really alarming that this happens. You asked about whether we can do anything about it. I think in India, users are stuck between a rock uh, and a hard place. Because although our current government pretends that they want to check misinformation, they want to do get away from all of these things, but they have been using these platforms, whether it is Twitter or whether it is Facebook, etc. Look at what IT Cell puts out for political advantage, for divisive politics. And, and opposition parties are also not far behind. They're also trying some similar kind of techniques here. Political parties are the biggest source of misinformation. So ostensibly, they're trying to bring laws like IT rules, etc., to say, oh, we want to check this. But mostly what they want to do is curb dissent. And they want that whatever they don't like, that material should not be available on platforms. Whatever, whoever speaks against them, um, those are the people about whom information can be gathered as well as um, put under surveillance, which is apparent from Pegasus. Um, we saw what the Supreme Court did yesterday. There's been a committee which has been appointed, but it is pr pretty clear that Supreme Court is also very worried about the fact that the government is surveilling on its own citizens. So users um, or citizens from our country are now stuck because they have only these platforms social media platforms to speak against a government which is coming so hard to curb dissent and come down on um, civil liberties because the Indian platforms were never so successful. The coup party has never started and all these social media platforms rely on network effects. If my friends are not on a party or if other people are not on a platform, why will I join that? So the users are now stuck using these platforms who are also ripping off their privacy and selling their data to sell more advertisements, who are doing exactly the kind of things which the Facebook papers have revealed to us. Yeah, that's an interesting point about the stuck users. And of course, there is always the argument that Facebook is a private company and it can choose to do what it wants. But then the kind of reach that it has makes it a sort of a public entity again which brings me to my uh, next question which has to do with the public control over what is happening here now the papers show what we already knew that facebook's algorithms prioritize engagement to a level that cause harm and that it values anger as a response uh, very highly in fact, a researcher who took on the avatar of a new user from Kerala was shown misinformation and violent content in a matter of days. Another researcher who took on the role of a conservative American woman was sold conspiracy theories almost immediately. Now, algorithms that promote the wrong stuff or are biased against women or minorities are a known problem. So in a world that is getting increasingly run on algorithms, is there any possibility of a public control over algorithms? which are essentially owned by private entities. Uh, in your knowledge, are there any laws that are in the making or any moves towards this? So I think that um, one thing which I'll say is that algorithms are just computer programs and instructions. These are not some entities written by somebody else. We write them. Uh, developers write them. I have written them. And in today's world, there's infinite scalability of a message and zero cost of personalization of that message. Because these platforms are able to scale them and there is zero cost to personalize it to what George wants it or what Mishi wants it. That's why a lot of information spreads so fast. 
an algorithm can only understand the actions and not context so there are there is going to be algorithmic bias and for various reasons it can be because the data set on which an algorithm was trained is non representative data or the labeling was a problem and an algorithm only is supposed is usually we specify what is it that they want now the edge rank or whatever facebook is using if uh, for news feed if that algorithm is being told that you are supposed to only prioritize engagement then it is going to see which is the post which gets most reactions and as these papers reveal that researchers understood that a lot of these posts which were divisive where the angry emoji was the one that's what the algorithm was promoting because that got most engagement and uh, mr zuckerberg said that any changes if they will bring down meaningful social interaction what he calls msi then he does not want to make that change even if it causes havoc and wrecks havoc with the society so i i think that there is a little bit of discussion in the us congress when uh, the whistleblower deposed before the us congress committee i think this time at least they have started to talk about addressing the algorithmic biases and not just content moderation but i will say that we do not know right now what a regulation of that kind would look like about fair distribution of resources how do we address them generally we say that algorithms must have independence and balance which means that the results must be equally accurate for different member of members of different groups and the balance means they must produce same false negatives and false positives for each of the groups at issues but it doesn't happen as much as we think it should happen so those are the right places to look at but i will say that algorithms are just a tool which is used by companies and if ai is going to be everywhere then it's not so much about the algorithms it's about ethics which are built into building these algorithms and these conversations need to be had by the product managers during the design phase because there is going to be we know that there's digital amplification we know there are issues of inclusiveness privacy algorithmic bias and also cybersecurity which is important so those things for now i don't think our regulators or our people who write laws understand in india at least i will say people are just dithering mr shashi tharoor cannot even hold a committee meeting or tell us what has happened so far even after revelations after revelations whether it was the whatsapp breach or the pegasus we do not know what the it committee is doing many of the committee members have said it doesn't seem that these issues are important for the electorate and unless it is important for the electorate mps will not take any account of that in any case in india committee hearings unlike the us congress are secret we don't know who talked many of the times they've held hearings they've never called any civil society member they've only talked to the companies and they've only talked to the government officers so nobody hears what a user wants or wants done and all we get is whatever our politicians who are mostly patriarchal uh, they're very patronizing they always think that they know better and the state knows better and uh, the moment you throw any of these uh, buzzwords at them about innovation or so you know you can always throw if you're a business you can always say innovation and uh, data driven products etc and if you're government employee you can always say oh national security and then everybody gets scared 
and then they just maintain the status quo. I don't think they've actually made an attempt to understand what this means. And they themselves, because they benefit from all of it, and they like the engagement, um, and they like using these platforms to build that false sense of celebrity, which our MPs these days do. I think we are not really seeing crucial questioning from anybody in India. And very few people are actively promoting this. More and more younger people are getting involved in these areas, asking the right questions. But I don't think that we have the political will to take the right actions here. And either we go on in, in the complete opposite direction of what they tried to do is, which is um, uh, trying to arrest Twitter employees. We do arm twisting. And every time we write a law, we always say, oh, seven years of jail and uh, non-bailable offense, and which is all nonsense. You cannot provide a business conducive environment if people will be fearful that they will be thrown in jail. All you can do is give damages. So when they enact laws, they do nonsense like this. Otherwise, they just don't enact laws. So I don't think that um, our own government, any of the three organs, there is some hope in the judiciary, but they also only do whenever it, um, it it's easy or a low-hanging fruit. I don't think that um, there is will in any of the organs to actually take any action. And that is why we all look up to the European Union or US to do something and then maybe somebody will copy it in India. Now, if India is not willing to do anything or the government is not willing to act and the US also, the government is inactive, what can force an action here? Now, Facebook has its own uh, internal committee, the oversight board, uh, which forced action on the uh, Trump case. Do they have the power to say, okay, if uh, this algorithm cannot be doing this or this is the limit to which it can go? Does the oversight committee have the power to do it? Uh, And even if it does, what will its impact be? I think these questions are so hard that um, there can't be one solution. It's going to be very, very complicated. And that is why Facebook started this concept of the the, uh, Facebook Supreme Court and came up with the oversight board, which is independent of Facebook. It is managed by a separate trust. Uh, It is not controlled by Facebook, Um, although it does have interface with Facebook. And they have themselves decided to be bound by all the decisions of the oversight board. Um, To their credit, they have actually um, been following and making policy changes based on what the board has recommended. Having said that, it's a very small part of the problem which is being addressed by the oversight board. It's an excellent idea because I don't think our judicial systems can handle all these kind of cases. I also have been the proponent of the fact that for free speech and expression, it is better that judiciary steps in. But you can see, uh, especially in a country like India, where under trials can't even get a trial for years, this is not our priority. And our judiciary, which has such a backlog, should not be handling these matters. And that is why oversight board is an excellent, excellent idea. And I hope that the kind of independence oversight board has so far shown that is replicated by several other platforms also. But uh, Oversight Board has very limited jurisdiction. They can only look into cases which are appealed for removal of content by either Facebook 
or some individuals themselves they can't take decisions on everything they can make recommendations and whatever is in front of them which is like every court every court only answers the limited question or the case which is in front of them they can't make policy they can't legislate so similarly oversight board an excellent idea right now an experiment hopefully it will succeed but it will only solve one very small part of the larger problem the problems are plenty your problems will have to be antitrust competition issue privacy matters um, the problem the problem of data collection uh, the entire surveillance business and the core infrastructure this is um, doing and what is do what it is doing to our societies what it is doing to democracy is this what free and fair elections mean when one party can actually just buy up everything influence or anyway and um, or, or in terms of um how health misinformation was spreading during the time of covid and it took so long for one private party to act and can we give so much power to such a company is also a thing which we all will have to grapple i don't have easy answers because anybody who has easy answers has perhaps not understood the problem and the scope of the problem and they're just trying to either gain political points or media points um at least all the thoughtful scholars business people who work in this area um, um and i work with a lot of clients because i do believe in multi stakeholderism which means that we cannot just say oh companies should not exist because companies we do need them we do need the government also and we do need the civil society as well so uh, in that multi stakeholder model i do hear a lot from the businesses because businesses also have their priorities um but i will say there are no simple answers to this however we will have to make these companies liable for a lot more than they can, they are right now liable they get away with a lot um but because our politicians rely on these platforms so much whether it is about campaign donations here in the us or just as the reach of the platform to get celebrity status or to spread misinformation like in india i i i don't think we will we will see um constructive action all we will see is mr ravishankar prasad the yelling and screaming when he was the it minister or um, just um, public theater between one company and our ministers uh, talking about liability uh, let's have a look at the person who is at the middle of it all mark zuckerberg now uh, i think the best the uh, expression of his culpability was by veteran tech journalist Kara Sushar who wrote an article just blandly said the problem is him uh, why is it so why is uh, mark zuckerberg so culpable in all this why do you think that is because he is the largest shareholder of facebook by far he holds 16.7% of all outstanding shares and uh, he pretends that he is not the judge jury and the executioner but the buck stops at him and uh, he is a very very smart technologist but just because you are good technologist does not make you good at everything else we have a tendency that somebody who's good at one thing especially in technology we think they will be good at everything look at the importance we give mr nandan neelakeni who's going to run everything about india just because he did well with one company it doesn't make mr neelakeni an expert on everything it doesn't make mr bill bill gates an expert on everything but at least to bill gates credit the foundation hires experts and then they go out and say something 
it's the same thing mark zuckerberg cannot be good at sociology cannot be good at history cannot be good at ethics or government regulation or privacy or whatever he's good at some things which is great and he's very very successful at those which is a thing to learn and celebrate um but he's not good at many other things but if so much power rests with him and he's the one who will be held responsible for everything and so he can say that oh i want to just concentrate on um more growth and um a uh, meaningful social interaction whatever that means and i don't care about other things so if we give one person so much power we will definitely have issues in the world um and i think that's that's the major that's why kara is saying that the problem is here and unlike what maybe um, the social network movie wants us to believe he's not an evil man and kara is right by comparing him to travis kalanick if he's not travis kalanick he's not um he doesn't do nonsensical stuff like travis was uh, pulling uh, he's a sensible guy he's not evil per se evil evil or doing really wrong um, unacceptable unprofessional things and that's why it gets very complicated because people are complicated but the decisions he's making and the choices he's making it's impacting a large swaths of populations it's changing our civilization and our democratic uh, system which we believe in um and that's why he should not be holding so much power on everybody and that's why uh, uh, we are at a stage when the societies have to take that decision what do we actually want and this is the time of reckoning he recognizes it and um, so should other people as well uh, but anybody if it were not him it were somebody else also Mm, it would be the same issue and uh, let's not forget there are other companies also google always gets a very big pass from all of that facebook is always shown as the evil but google is a big collector of data as well they always try to play under the radar but that doesn't take away what they are collecting about us and uh, um and the other companies as well i think that um, it can't be um we can't have our cake and eat it too all the time which is true for every stakeholder for us as users uh for um, uh, governments and for companies but we as users can do one thing we can demand better products and not be taken for a ride um and we don't have to use facebook uh, we can live without it and we don't always have to use all these products um you can have a life i haven't had facebook for what eight nine years now my life still is full of friends and family and uh, very active social life when i can manage time for it um across continents so uh, but but that's where we are so mishi you have been observe, ob- observing this online space and these large tech companies and the laws surrounding them for quite uh, some time any parting words or any larger point that you would like to leave us with the larger point i would like to leave is that uh, users should realize that they have a lot of power they can leave platforms and then vote by that they can also demand better laws from their government um i think uh, right now um, uh, government has been dithering and not even given us basic data protection law so i i i think that we should demand better laws we should demand better products and we should always practice better digital security online because if nobody else will come to our rescue we should rescue ourselves it's the same thing like i tell people why don't why do you not clear and delete your chats all the time 
why are you holding them all that uh, because um I, why do you ever back these chats up you don't have to do that you should always assume that people can turn against you all the time um and i'll i'll say there is a i'll put in a plug here software freedom law center india that is why conducts free digital security trainings online and in person just to help you understand why digital hygiene is important um and people should realize that they have more power than they think they have um and um i i hope india has um, um a more saner and comprehensive digital policy rather than just try to do public theater on twitter um and um, uh, not not think that data is only to be monetized by the rich boys in india but um, it is a thing which can be used also for public good so if we demand that better and don't want to be the products we should at least say it out aloud even if you want to say it on even these platforms Okay thanks Mushi right. don't be the products is a, i think a great line to end this at uh, thanks for the great points that you have made i'm sure the audience of in focus uh, would love it uh, thank you for joining us once again thank you for having me and um, asking these wonderful questions it's a pleasure to talk to you in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.